Welcome to Shanghai Chronicles. I hope everyone is having a wonderful weekend um, and getting ready for this wonderful work week that is coming upon us, good people. Uh, we have so much to discuss per usual. Um, this past week, we celebrated our three-year anniversary here with the pause. I've been doing podcasting for three years now, and I'm already on 122 episodes. So, Shout out to me. I'm very happy um, for myself. Um, I thank all my friends, all my listeners, everyone that has supported me from the very beginning. Thank y'all so much. Um, And of course, we have more things that are coming. So definitely be on the lookout for that. But of course, as we always do, let's get into the show. Let's get into all the topics because there's so much to discuss. Okay. Okay. So... We have episode 122, Let the Countdown Begin, okay? So, for Damn America, of course, we know we have 50 days until Election Day. So, that's Biden versus Trump. So, what I'm going to be basically doing is kind of, you know, give us a countdown, go over for Damn America segment, kind of like, you know discuss you know where we are on certain issues because coming up soon i think the 29th of september is going to be the debate so i'm really going to put damn america around that top you know around that but um excuse me as far as the election is concerned okay we know who we have we have biden we have trump we've seen all the conventions we've seen the dnc convention we've seen the republican convention we've seen you know who's worried about what who's concerned about what we've seen all of that um you know recently different polls came out that you know biden and trump were neck and neck in uh florida which was very surprising because i would expect uh trump to take all of florida but they were kind of neck and neck and when i last looked it up i believe the hispanics in florida have been voting in Trump's favor. So he currently is like leading that right now. Um, And then, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, uh, Things that are happening in Portland, um, things that were happening in um, Wisconsin. So it's just a lot, you know, a lot of people. um, One thing that I'm noticing, a lot of people, I don't know. One thing I'm noticing, sorry is that with the Black Lives Matter movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, I really want people to do their research on that because when it comes to that particular movement, 
people are donating money to this particular movement, but this movement is not taking the money and putting it into any black urban communities, if you haven't noticed. Um, When I did some research on it, majority of the money was going to kind of like some of the Democrats um, to help their campaigns, things of that nature. Um, I feel like people are coming out that are part of like Antifa or a part or getting paid to go in and uh, destroy these cities, especially these um, democratic cities and they're painting the picture that it's the black lives matter people and it's not because with the black lives matter movement i would assume and hope that it's very more so very peaceful kind of protest younger generation out there fighting for their cause of what they believe in so i do feel that coming up with this election especially with the debates we're definitely going to hear about these certain things we're going to hear about the Antifas and, you know, destroying the communities, things of that nature. But I just want people to understand that that is not what we scream as Black Lives Matter, at least for me. OK, because when I wear my Black Lives Matter T-shirt, I'm wearing it for all the lives that have been taken away either by, you know, senseless, you know, violence, um a lot of police brutality, things of that nature. Now, one thing I do know that I feel that they're going to bring up is, you know, with the election, they're bringing up a lot of the main focus being how they handled the coronavirus. Of course, you know, with Trump, some tapes leaked about how he knew of the virus, knew it would be deadly, and how he felt that, you know, he didn't want to pretty much pretty much is this. He knew about the virus, right? So he, I'm guessing, didn't want to put people in a panic. Whereas at the beginning of this virus, people were already in a panic to the point where like there was a rumor that there wasn't going to be any meats. There was a rumor that it wasn't going to be any toilet paper, toilet tissue. Like everyone was running out, buying all that they could. At one point in time, Stores didn't have any in stock. It was almost like get everything you need because once the world shuts down, you can't do anything. So I guess not in his defense because when I say any of these things, it's not because I'm a Trump supporter or anything. I'm just looking at, you know, the sides of everything. I'm guessing he was saying like, oh, you know what? I know about this virus. I know that it's deadly, but... I don't want to go out there and do a press conference, alarm the people, and, you know, we don't know how this thing is going to shape the U.S. Okay, maybe that's how he was thinking. But had he kind of did a press conference or kind of maybe put more than just a travel ban in place, do we think that more lives would have been saved? Yes. And I think that just comes with a form of leadership. He's a different type of leader. And the thing about his type of leadership is it's a blunt type of leadership that America has not been used to. America has not been used to his bluntness. 
You know, we have never had a president that has been very blunt, very vocal, you know, really comes at the media, really like just says whatever is on his mind. No cut cards whatsoever. And really and truly, if you look at it, I mean, he's a New Yorker. That's how much much New Yorkers are. They're very blunt. They go off zero to 100 and it is what it is. Um, But. You know, these are things that are going to come up, you know, the coronavirus, the police brutality, you know, the focus really being the African-American community. Now, with Trump, you know, he keeps focusing these three things that he has gave us. And these are the three things that majority of the Trump supporters that are black base their support off of, whereas the Democrats, they have really not really gave a objective or a plan to service the black community where it looks as though that most Democrats, 95% of most Democrats are black. And you would think they would have an agenda. You know, they more so are going off of symbolism. They gave us, they're giving us a black VP. Um, you know, they're giving us um, celebrities, you know, things like that. So they're basing that off of symbolism. So I want a lot of people to pay close attention to that versus where Trump's party, Republican party are giving us policies. They're laying out policies that would help the black community versus the Democrats are just giving us symbolism. Okay. All right. Well, if I see, if they see that she's a vice president, first HBCU, they're definitely going to go out there and vote for her. We don't have to say anything. We'll just collectively put them all together as one. Whereas black people on the other end, we're just like, okay, hold up. What are you going to do to earn my vote this year? Because you got to put something in place that's going to earn my vote. You can't just come out and just, you know, think just because you're bringing the Cardi B's and all these people in forefront that I'm just going to vote for you, you know. So it's a lot of things we have to gear up to. Um, we have 50 days until the election. I know a lot of states are already doing early voting. So if you can get your votes in, you can, you know. Uh, if you can get your ballot and you can go out and do it. Now, the thing with the ballot, with the polls, um, my thing is like if we can go to outdoor restaurants and eat and y'all can go on planes to Loom and go to the club with no mask and shit, y'all can go to the voting polls. So y'all should be out there going to the voting polls with your mask, with your gloves. If you have to take your auntie or your mother's or your grandmother's ballot with you while you go, please go ahead and do that. Okay, because, of course, the elderly, we don't want them out you know, contracting anything because there are majority of the elderly that has, you know, died from the virus. So, okay, I get that. But it's like these, you know, voter oppression is coming up and it's just different things around this election. This election this year is particularly a complete shit show. Um, it's actually draining and I hope that this is the quickest 50 days that we have seen. So this can just be over and done with. And one thing I want most African-Americans to keep in mind is that everything kind of is still, you know, the same, to be honest with you. Um, I saw a post here where black ownership in 1968 was 41.1%. In 2018, 
it only went up to 41.2%. Black incarceration was 604 per 100,000. In 1968. In 2018, it jumped up to 1,730 per 100,000. Black unemployment in 1968 was 6.7. In 2018, it went to 7.5%. So when you look at those stats, nothing has really changed. You know, nothing has really changed. It kind of has kind of been staggered the same numbers there's nothing changed so what I want black people to understand even though we're yelling oh you know everybody's like oh we just got to get Trump out but it's like okay we get him out we get Joe Biden whatever the case may be like I said like I said I think on the last previous episode we're still in the same predicament most black people are still broke we still live in broke down communities. There's still justification. There's still police brutality. Like these are things that are still there. So when we're yelling that we want to get Trump out, we need to be able to have these policies that we want him want to get him out for. So when it comes to this election, I want people to be able to make sure that you pay close attention to the debates. That you pay close attention to what they're outlining as far as policies. And I'm not trying to distray or change people's perspective on how they vote or what they do or how they think about it. For me, I have registered as an independent because I want to be able to outline my feelings or outline what policies I feel fit with me versus me just going with the norm that oh all blacks are democrats this is what we raised up on this is what we grew up on and if you wasn't a democrat in a black household you know something was wrong with you but you know I'm an independent so if it was an independent running and it had some good ideas and things that I like then that's who I would be voting for but I think we have an independent on the ballot, but they're really nobody we really heard of. I didn't really, you know, do anything for me. But, you know, so these are things like just pay close attention to these things. These are things that are going to be really, you know, cutting down to the wire. Like it's it's these 50 days, like these 50 days are going to come quick, I assure of you. But I just want y'all to pay close attention to everything. You know, I seen a picture with Joe Biden and Pence with mask on, you know, kind of elbowing it, speaking, you know, so you just never know. A picture says a thousand words, of course, but you just never know what you're going to come across. Like I said, 2020 has been crazy. This election process everything from the preliminaries has been crazy you know we started out with damn near 30 something democrats and you know instead of them pushing for the person that people wanted they pushed for the person that people can care least about okay so you know close attention we'll break it down as you know we count down um especially when it's time to get to the debates which is going to be very interesting We'll be able to break that down and, you know, get down to that. So, hey, we'll see. Um, So for our next Damn America topic, we have, uh, did you know that nearly 250 women have been killed by the police? So um, if nobody knows, um, if you haven't really listened 
uh, to my show, which you should. I really like the website called Black, uh, Black, Black, um, I'm sorry, is um, Belivity. It's B-L-A-V-I-T-Y dot com. So that's where I like to get like majority of my, you know, information. I like to look up different things because they have um, almost everything that I look for. I love their website, love the articles that they have on there. And it makes me kind of open discussion uh, with certain topics. So when I saw this topic. I was like, wow, I didn't even really expect that. And this has been something since 2015, apparently. So, you know, most of the time when this police brutality things come out, it really only focuses on the black men. But the police have killed at least 48 black women since 2015. So this was all released from the Washington Post. Um, They gathered up a study of police shootings since 2015, and they found that nearly 250 women had been shot and killed by officers over the five-year time span. So I'm guessing that since we had the shooting with Mike Brown, the newspaper had started tracking every police shooting in the United States. So they find that officers generally shoot and kill about a thousand people each year. So of course, you know, of the 247 women that's been shot by the police since 2015, 89 of them were killed in their homes, like Breonna Taylor, who officers are still not arrested. It has been six months now for Breonna Taylor. Six, okay? Um... And while they say, while the 247 women that have been killed by the police are a small portion of more than 5,600 people killed by police since 2015, black pe- black women are so fairly overrepresented in the total. So apparently, according to the Washington Post, they are saying that 48 black women have been shot and killed by the police. Black women are 13%. Okay, so black women make up 13% of the female population in the United States. Okay, but they represent 20% of the women that have been shot fatally by the police and 28% of the of the killings deemed by police to be unharmed. Okay, so, um, but you know, the thing that's so crazy is we would never really know these yet again. You know, this comes back to the whole stance of, you know, who's going to protect the black woman because we always just see information about what happens to the black men. We never see anything with the black women. But the black women, you know, they can go through so much trauma, they can go through so much in their lives, but they always manage to just put on that happy face, bounce back with no problems, and just keep on going with not a care in the world, you know, not a care in the world. And I thought this article was very um, alarming because, you know, we would never have probably known these statistics if, you know, one, we don't research it, and two, it's never brought to us in the media because, I think and I feel that the objective is to uh, make sure that, one, they take the black men out of the home and two, to kind of depopulate, like depopulate, you know, like depopulate the population and which is get rid of black people, in my opinion. 
Um, so they said here, which I found very um, interesting, is that this. While 1,274 black men have been shot and killed by the police since January 2015, the numbers are proportionally high for black women when compared to white women. Okay, keep that in mind. They also said that the data shows that 247 police shootings are women. So this is the breakdown of the races. 147 were white, 48 were black, 29 Hispanic, and five Native American, five were Asian, and three of other races. So 11 other cases, they couldn't determine the race or whatever. So however, so when you do those percentages and you do the breakdown, Black women are killed at a rate of 2.3 per million, while white women are killed at, by police at the rate of 1.5 per million. So you see black women still higher, even though that number of 147 were white. When you do the breakdown, the percentages, black women are still higher. Hispanic women are killed at one per million. So, um, you know. Majority of the time, they're saying that these cases where the black women are, they're not really the primary target. They're just caught in the crossfire. So they're killed accidentally, pretty much. So this um, person that did the research at a residency at Bernard Center for Research on Women, uh, they told the Washington Post that the police will use deadly force on black women because they perceive them as not being as um, uh, de, uh, sum submissive as white women or defensive, like um, like defensive. They don't find them to be like defensive or sub sub submissive or whatever um <laughs> but um here's some uh different things um but then they also they you know they have a history a long history of framing women who aren't complaint you know who they who aren't complaint complaint as insane or think that's particularly true for black like they think that you know black women were insane and were angry and you know all of this stuff um but here are some uh cases of people that I'll just read some that you guys probably would have never known of um this one person is um L Tara Woods so her case is very similar to Brianna Taylor. So uh, the 21-year-old, she was killed by the Indian River County Sheriff's Office SWAT team on March 19, 2017. So the SWAT team, team went, to her, went to her boyfriend's house in Florida looking for drugs and began breaking windows at the home when they arrived. It startled um, Mrs. Wood's boyfriend and he began shooting and the officer shot back. And they killed Mrs. Woods when they were shooting back. So the, they said the coffee, coffee is currently facing, that's the boyfriend. He's currently facing attempted murder charges, but has pled not guilty. And police refused to comment on the case due to the ongoing case. But Woods' mother, Yolanda, said Taylor's case has been resurfaced, the pain of her daughter's death. So basically, um, the lady's um, mother was like, you know, hearing Brianna Taylor's case, it brought up memories of her daughter. 
Um, another person here is India Kagger. Um, she was 28. She was killed by the police on September 5th, 2015. She was in a car with the father of her child. Um, his name is uh, Alanjo Perry. When Virginia Beach officers started firing 30 rounds towards the couple. Uh, India and Perry were both killed during the shooting, but the infant child, the child managed to survive. And their family was was you know, outraged of the, you know, outrageous use of violence during the assault. So the family sued the city in 2018 and the jury awarded them $800,000 for gross for gross negligence by the two officers who shot them. Mind you, they just gave them money, but nothing has been, nothing was done to the officers. They weren't fired. None of that. So, um, (laughs) that's an interesting one. Um, another one Oh, God, there's so many. Um, Let me read this last one here. Uh, So this last one is, uh, I think her name is Garlene Townsend. So like many of the other cases highlighted here, she was 72. She was caught in the middle of a situation involving her 50-year-old son when she was shot and killed. So the police in... uh, Burtonsville, Oklahoma, shot Townsend to death on January 17, 2018, after raiding the house in search of marijuana. On the video, police can be heard yelling for someone not seen on camera to put a weapon down. It was later revealed that Towson had a BB gun and did not know it was the police in her home. And you can hear the son yelling, that's my mother. It's a BB gun. You killed my mother. So the district attorney, Kevin Buchanan, later said the officers were justified in killing Towson and refused to charge the officers who shot her to death. In the end, the police only found one jar and two sandwich bags of marijuana. Towson's son received just a seven-month suspension suspend sentence in the case, and a court threw out a wrongful death lawsuit he filed against the city in October 2019. So you see, like, these people we've never would have known about, ever. Never would have known about. So apparently, according to the trend that they see amongst the police shootings of women, who those include uh, mental health. So according to the Post, more than 30% of the women who were shot and killed by police since 2015 have reported a mental health issue. And um, it seems like another another case that was that was uh, highlighted here was the Cynthia Clements. She's a black woman who was killed by the police in Illinois on March 12 of 2018. And she had a schizophrenia or bipolar episode. So she was 34 years old. She suffered from both schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and had a frequent interactions with police who they said were familiar, they were familiar with her mental illness. So like they've known this, they probably came to the house about this a couple of times, you know, having an episode, whatever. Um, of course, the family, they criticized the officers for not being aware that she was in the middle of a mental episode. And um, it, I guess it's like they pulled her over because they said it was she was in a suspicious vehicle and she drove away during the police stop, but eventually pulled over on the side of a highway. 
and they tried to get her out the vehicle, but they said she had two knives. So for more than an hour, they tried to convince her to leave the car, but she refused. And I guess with the body cam footage, um, she then uh, lit two items on fire and threw them in the backseat of her car, still refusing to get out. And eventually she left the car and they told the investigators that she charged at the four officers before they shot her three times, killing her. So the family, of course, criticized the officers because they should have called a mental health professional instead of resorting to violence to resolve the crisis. So, you know, that goes back to how they're saying with the police conduct. Like, you know, they need to take maybe some classes. Um, They need to kind of understand when someone is probably having a mental type of breakdown versus them being an actual threat. Because this also was a case where this 13-year-old kid, he was having a mental kind of breakdown in his Mother called the cops thinking they could help and they end up shooting him and he's in critical condition. So, you know, things like that. Uh, So these type of things are alarming to me because I feel like black women were not protected. We're misunderstood majority of the time and we're always there to protect everyone else. But it's like, who's protecting us? You know, so um, when I saw this article and I saw these um these stats I was just like kind of like shocked like oh my god like this is quite crazy I've never would have you know known anything about these particular women and I would have really not known these stats if I just didn't look them up myself so you know hopefully when you know when it comes to this police brutality uh issue people will kind of understand uh why black people are out here fighting the way that we do even though a lot of people like you know all lives matter we need to stop resisting there are a lot of people there are a lot of different races out there that do just the same as resisting from cops but you know with when it comes to black people we can still resist but it's still like this that type of anger or something that comes over the the cop like I, I i just don't know what it is but um <clears throat> hopefully you know something can come about it and something can you know change we'll see um but for damn america um <laughs> We have 50 days, people. So we have 50 days to figure out what we're going to do with these uh, good candidates that we have. But don't worry. I will keep you guys fully updated with everything. Okay. Um, so our rising star, we have LaShawn Flowers. So with LaShawn Flowers, her and her daughter, pretty much, um, they become... Um, owners because they of a show gas station in florida so the sean flowers is 51 and her daughter shatika is 35 and their new owners are the only black owned gas station in hollywood florida and possibly the only black owned gas station in all of south florida um so um they both grew up there and they grew up in Deerfield beach florida um, they begin their roots in entrepreneurship as owners of a local hair and nail salon first called Girls Collections and later a local bar and nightclub called Groove City Bar and Lounge, uh, which is currently closed, of course, because of the pandemic. So so with that being in mind, 
you know, they had an idea that they should purchase two Shell gas stations. So they were able to negotiate a two-for-one deal. And she says the process of purchasing two fran- fran- uh, franchises was not hard, but it was fairly tedious process. She said after completing the credit application, she had approved that she that she was financially she really did have the capital to complete the purchase. The whole process, however, just took like three weeks. So LaShawn says that she and her daughter are partners in this business, are partners in their other businesses as well. So this is what we're talking about when we talk about economics with black people. We get got to get some ownership. We don't own anything. So these two women, shout out to them. They took and took their work, their worth ethic, hard work. You know, it pays off, like anybody would say. And they own all these businesses now, which is beautiful. Beautiful. Because honestly, I've never seen an all-black-owned gas station. Never. And I go to Shell um, majority of the time, a lot. So, hey. All right. So, shout-out to them. Uh, we lift them up. Okay, good girls, good people. So, now let's get into the shits, y'all. So, of course, with the twerk time segment, y'all, it's always a good time to discuss and talk all the tea, talk all the, you know, the good shits, you know. So, whew, where do we start? <laughs> okay, so, of course, Portia and Dennis have broken up again. It's like, we're over them. I know I'm over them. It's like, you know, Portia took him back the first time. And I felt like she needed to take him back. She needed a storyline. Now Portia's out there on the front lines. And I saw, came across a little thing where her and Kenya kind of had some exchange of words. And we thought they were going to be friends, but of course not. And then, you know, somebody asked Portia about whether it was going to be a wedding planning soon. And she was like, no. So pretty much, I guess they're just going to co-parent. Listen, I'd rather them co-parent because honestly, I'm sick of them too. I don't care about Portia. You know, I'm glad that she's out there on the front line now. Now we can go back to her housewives days when she didn't know what the Underground Railroad was. But sis has educated herself since then. Thank God. So, you know, now she's on the front line. She's going to protest. She's in there. You know, she's out there. Now, some may say that she may be using this for a storyline. I do not know. But I will hope that she's not using these protests and things for a storyline because that would just be damn right. That would just be damn right pitiful at this point. You know, just be sick. But, you know, who who are we to tell? Um, but, yeah, I'm just over them. Like, nobody cares anymore. I mean, this whole thing came out with Dennis saying that he was having sex with animals. I don't even know why she even... I listen, if a rumor came out about my man fucking animals, I ain't taking his ass back, okay? I will let him and his animal fucking be because there's no way. That's just disgusting. Nasty. And I'm trying to raise a daughter. Like, mm mm. I don't need none of that. So they little break up, great. You know, have it, keep it. Don't want it. Um, and another thing, Nene leaks, like, girl, you're getting played out. Either you're going to be on a Real Housewives or either you're going to handle Bravo or you're not. Because at this point, Nene, the show is still going to go on. They went on one season without you. The ratings were fine. You don't have a storyline, okay? Honestly, it's like, okay, we get it. You were OG, blah, blah, blah. But it's like you need to give it up at this point. At one point, it's just like give it up. Give it up. 
So, you know, she's not on there. She doesn't feel like suing Bravo or some shit or something that came out. But it's just like, okay, Nene girl, like, let it go. Please, let it go. Um, But I've always said that the Real Housewives of Potomac is so much better than Real Housewives of Atlanta. And Potomac, baby, Ashley Darby is pregnant again. Now, if you're not watching this new season that's on right now, her husband is still in another cheating scandal where he's at the strip club. He done told the girl at the strip club he got a wife and a boyfriend, okay? You know, Ashley's making excuses with this cheating, talking about they got an open marriage type bullshit, but now she has another baby by him. So maybe sis is just waiting for this prenup to be over so she can divorce his ass and collect some coins. Um, We don't know how much coin that she got. But there's no way in the world that my husband keeps disrespecting me two seasons in a row. Two seasons in a row. And now I'm pregnant again. And the baby, my first baby just turned one. So now I'm pregnant again. Like, And I already deal with like a lot with it. Like, it's a lot. So I feel like sis has a plan about what's going on here. So I'm just going to have faith that she has a plan. Because if she's just doing this and she's popping out babies and this man keeps making a fool of her, then I don't even know what to say. I just think that's just damn right dumb at this point. Okay. Just damn right dumb. Um, you know, T.I., if there's one person that is like on my shit list, I still have a shit list y'all. I haven't got rid of the shit list just because of the pandemic, you know, like Diddy, Diddy has been quiet, you know, he's been in quarantine, but T.I., T.I. is still on my shit list, okay, Clifford, whatever the fuck his name is, you know, he made a comment, it was like, he urges people to buy property with their government checks, okay, check is $1,200 uh, tip, where, the, where are we buying properties at that's $1,200, where, where, and half these people need that 1200 to survive, and I don't think they're thinking about property at the time when half of the world is damn near unemployed you know rich people really get on my nerves and it's just like you know ti shut the fuck up shut up because you was the main one telling us not to wear gucci not to do this and you be gucci down okay gucci down to the south and it's like why don't you direct the energy somewhere else okay like direct it somewhere else because we ain't sent for you we ain't ask you you know you don't know what regular people problem is it's that's what 100 people need that's what 100 okay they need it that's the only thing that they probably have to look forward to because the unemployment checks are getting smaller by the dozen okay so Trust me, I'm sure black people want to buy property. I'm sure of it. This is the most important downtime where you can reflect on what you need to do with yourself in life. But at the end of the day, who are you, T.I., to tell us what to do with our fucking government checks? Huh? Who, who are you? Who? Are you supposed to be our financial advisor, our spiritual advisor? Because we definitely don't need no advice, no advisement from your ass, okay? None. None of it. Um, of course, y'all know, keeping up with the Kardashians, the last season that came out, let us know. Season's going to be over. Apparently, Kim and Kylie were the ones who said they didn't want to do it anymore. But we knew of this. We knew, like I keep saying, Kylie is the new Kim and they are the breadwinners. So whatever they want goes and Kris Jenner is not listening to nobody else but them two. So if them two say they don't want crab cakes, they not getting crab cakes. Okay. All right. Um, 
Is people happy? Yes, thank God. Finally, y'all can see that this rain is dying down. Now, is it going to end there? No, because now they're trying to get a streaming deal so they can stream these episodes on Netflix, streaming on Apple, wherever, or do some spinoffs. So they're not gone just yet, people. They are not. They have been on TV for 14 years now they've been on tv for a long ass time they're going to like the 20th season that's a long ass time and quite frankly we have seen them transformed we have seen them untransformed and it's pretty much like we're done with them you know so more power to them no you know they made the announcement like we cared nobody really cared at all um but hey we'll see um, Tamar Braxton. So with Tamar Braxton thing, you know, it was a big thing with her when I first, you know, heard about it. I'm like, okay, did Tamar set this up? Was this plan with her boyfriend? You know, cause they have this show coming out. She don't want to, you know, be portrayed a certain way. And my good friend niche, she was like, my good friend niche, let me tell you, she can read a room. That bitch can read a room. Okay. Shout out to niche. And niche was just like, you know, when they first got together, she was like, you know, y'all, he, something I would say right with him. I don't like him for Tamar. You know, he's all over the place. He's probably gay, you know. Now he's coming out saying that he had to put a police report against her because Tamar is abusive and he's been getting abused for six months now or some shit. I don't know. And now Vince had to step in and Vince had to listen here. David is an opportunist, okay? And it's clear within these past couple of months that he has been an opportunist. And whatever Tamar is going through, I feel that he does not make the situation better. And to be honest with you, I'm just going to say this and I may be wrong about it and I, you know, apologize in advance, but... I honestly think that he was trying to kill Tamar. I think he tried to drug her. Um, I think he set the whole thing up with her being in a mental state. I don't think Tamar is in a mental institution. I think that she is with Evelyn. Evelyn is taking care of her because, you know, Tamar is Evelyn's baby, okay? Evelyn, Tamar, and Tony. Even though she claims she loved the rest of them to do the same, it's Tamar and Tony, okay? And... I think that the backlash that came about it, he didn't expect it. So now it's like he has to kind of flip it and kind of like make her to be the aggressive and make himself be the victim. And it's just like, no, you know, and Vincent Herbert, okay, he sees through all the bullshit. All right. And one thing I can say about Vince, Vince loved Tamar. I don't care what nobody say. I know reports came out about Evelyn saying that in Tamar's and Vince marriage, Tamar, uh, Vince was abusive to Tamar. I don't know. But what I do know is that Vince always had Tamar's interests at heart. He always cared about Tamar and always wanted to present her in the best form that he could. And it was just Tamar that really wanted to be out, wanted to do this, wanted to be, you know, wanted to be the Beyonce. And it's like, listen, all y'all, like Patty, Patty LaBelle would say, okay, because the verses is all y'all heifers, 
okay, cannot be Beyonce, okay? You know, you want to be out there dancing, shaking, whatever. No, you can't. And her last should have stayed with Vince, you understand? And, you know, I'm not at home where they at. You know, I don't know what he was doing through the marriage. But what I do know is that he loved Tamar. Okay. And honestly, I need to get my eyes on Vince or her. But I need to see how he done slimmed up. And I need to see if he done got him a white girl. Because Tamar always used to say that Vince loved him nice and blonde girls. So I need to get my eyes on Vince. But what I do know is that Vince got time. Okay. And David. <laughs> David. You better watch what you're saying, how you say it, okay? Because Vincent Herbert is ready for that ass. That's all I have to say. But I honestly feel that he drugged Tamar, called TMZ, called all the gossip blogs, got it all out there, made a big scene, made a big thing. And now it's like a fucking shit show. It's a shit show. It's a mess. And I pray for Tamar. I really do because everything that happens to her, she gets affected by it really bad and like really affects her. And, you know, I need her to be able to concentrate, be there for Logan, but it really affects her. Tamar's one of the people that really, really, really get affected easily. And this right here is really affect her because she was coming out the woodwork talking about how she loved this man. And, you know, she couldn't do certain things around him. And it even played out on Braxton Family Values. Like, you know, David doesn't do this. And it, it was just a mess. It was a mess. But, you know, hopefully... Hopefully, this shit would die. You know, this shit would die. Hopefully, you know, one thing, listen, I done joked around with it, and I, and I mean what I say. I stays away from them Nigerian men, okay? I stays away from them. It's something about them. I don't know what it is, but I stays far away. If I ever come across one, I don't even try to look their direction. You understand what I'm saying? Because, <sighs> okay. Um, then, okay, y'all, P-Valley, P-Valley had a breakthrough season. Season one is done. That's my favorite show. I'm ready for season two. I loved all the storylines, loved the music. I loved everything about it, okay? Every single thing about it. And I'm ready for it. And I've been, been watching it again. Like, I ain't never sit up and watch every episode that came out on Sunday, but I've been binge watching it over and over again in the bitches in love. And... I just absolutely love it. I love the storylines. I love the directing. I love that all the episodes were directed by black females. I just love everything about it. And I'm ready for season two. And I hope COVID doesn't stop season two production because a bitch is ready. Okay. I'm ready. And I also have been binge watching Girlfriends, y'all. And let me tell you something. Girlfriends hit different. It came out in 2007. So, you know, it was a little young. But now that we're like 33 and stuff, like... That shit hits different, and I love it. I'm on season one. I'm taking my time with this one. I'm not benching it as quick as my other shows, but listen, that Tony, that Maya, Joan, like, I love everything. I love it. I love Joan's fashion in it. Like, she she really looked good. To be, like, 29, she working at a law firm. She was looking great. Amazing. So, I love it. Um one thing before we close out the twerk something segment, um, I wanted to hit on this Joe Budden karma. 
So, you know, this Joe Button, Joe Button got on his podcast, talked about Spotify, and then all of these allegations are coming out about him being abusive to Tahiri, being abusive to Sin, Rocky done came about. And it's like, you know, with Joe Budden, when I look at Joe Budden, I can see him, you know, being very nasty, okay? And can I see him being an argumentative type? Yes. Can I see Tahiri being very aggressive towards him and they both was up in there doing shit? Yes. And do I see that Sin probably was getting, you know, hit or dragged or whatever? Yes. But she is the type that I think, you know, not, you know, her loyalty is a little bit different. Where Tahiri... Her thing is like, you know, she still got to be relevant. She's out there trying to make this money, this and the third. I just find the whole thing kind of crazy. You know, after he talks shit about Spotify, now everything is just coming out in the open. And it's like, you know, a whole Joe Button, whole Joe Button, like, uh, smear campaign. Like, they're just going to smear his name or whatever case may be. I've always said that I felt like Joe Button was like, um... Howard Stern of hip hop for me, um, because his podcast is you know very different. Um, I always listen to the episodes. Um, it's very encouraging certain you know things, and I hear from Joe Button. I even saw the live podcast, and I enjoyed it. But I feel like with the, the with them coming at his character as much as they came at it, it's a lot. It's a lot because domestic domestic abuse and domestic violence is a lot. And I feel that I, I, both of them, especially with Tahiri, I think they both was in there fighting on each other. And that definitely don't make it right. But, woo, woo, child. It's, it was a lot. You know, it was a thing coming up about his dogs. And it was like they were just finding every little thing, every little thing they could find, every little thing they could find on him. So, um, you know. He addressed it. Hopefully, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a lot. A lot of text messages, threads, a lot of shit. Okay. A lot of stuff. Um, damn, I have one more thing, y'all. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's so much going on. Oh, my goodness. Uh Oh, Keisha Cole. So, Keisha Cole, somebody said to her, like, oh, you know, she can't keep a man. And she was like, no, niggas can't keep me. Okay. One thing about Keisha Cole is. Keisha Cole, I feel like when she was with Bobby, I feel like they were really in love, but it was just certain things we just weren't catching. This younger boy that she started dating, honestly, he just came out of nowhere. They honestly weren't on the same page. I don't think she meant to get pregnant, but it was just like, you know, she did. And now she has a baby, you know, whatever. But Keisha Cole, to me... I feel like with her family dynamics, she got so much going on that she really can't really focus on finding that true love that she really wants. So it it kind of restricts certain things for her, I feel. I feel like, you know, she's still having family issues, even though it's not broadcast or, you know, put in the forefront. But it's a big thing for her. And... You know, hopefully she'll be able to find that true love. But I'm glad that she checked people because, you know, people always quick to blame the woman. She can't keep nobody. No. What about him? That's what, you know, the thing about Common. Like, you know, it was like, oh, um, Serena can't keep a man. or No, this man went from, Common went from Serena to Angela Rye. Now he was Tiffany Hat. Like, no, what's up with him? 
What's up with him? It has to be him. It ain't always the woman. It has to be his ass. What the fuck is he doing that he can't be kept? Okay? All right? Um, yeah, it's a lot. Oh, so, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot is coming. They're going to have the old Aunt Viv back, you know, over the years. She couldn't stand Will Smith. So they finally had a conversation. Okay? That entanglement that he had, okay, that got revealed, then opened up some revelations. Okay? So he done went and talked out whatever he had to talk out with Aunt Viv. So we're going to get the original Aunt Viv. Thank God. So we'll see how that's going to play out. But it's a lot going on. But... Um, oh, this is one more thing, y'all. So many things happening. Oh, my God. Oh, shitty Beckham. Odell Beckham. Okay. Chief Keith's baby mother alleged the spills tea that Odell Beckham likes people to, like, shit on him. Like, And I'm just like, okay, first of all, why are y'all dealing with these type of women? And second of all, why is nobody signing NDAs? And why is she just comfortable with coming out with this information? And why would you do any of this to get flown out? Like, where the fuck is these bitches' morals? Like, back in the day, if you was going to be a side girl or Corinne Steffens or whatever, you just you just went with the flow, wasn't that much talk. Now, these 2020 side girls is just different, okay? It's different. It, it ain't no respect nowhere down the line. It just hits different with them, okay? And it's quite disgusting. And, you know, really? And then when I look at these girls, they all plastic looking. And then I'm just like, so you really took and took a shit for him to fly you out? Like, what? Who, like, who does that? Who does that? But, fuck am I? Fuck am I? But, hey. Um, so let's get into what you won't do. So what you won't do is get on the mayor of New Orleans' bad side, okay? So it was a video. This man kept asking her, will high school football resume? And she looked at him like, listen, I said what I said. It's phase two. Don't ask me no more. You know how you got a um, a nagging child and they keep asking for stuff over and over again and you didn't always hold on once and they just keep coming back? Her face was so annoyed she wanted to cuss his ass out, okay? So that's what you won't do is get on the mayor of New Orleans' bad side. Once she said what she said. It is what it is. And she said what she said. She ain't thinking about no sports, okay? New Orleans is still in phase two. And phase two don't consist of no sports, okay? 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 Okay. All right, guys. So this is episode 122. Let the countdown begin. Remember, we're going to go outline all of the election. We're going to start the debate. Debates are coming up soon. So we're going to break down each day of the debate on the show. Um, Of course, you can stream all previous episodes on all streaming platforms, Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play, iHeart, Follow me on Shanghai underscore Chronicles. Follow me on Twitter, Shanghai underscore Chronicles 1, I believe. And um, yeah, support us, sister. Okay, y'all. So I wish everyone had a wonderful weekend. I hope you have a wonderful work week that is approaching and coming up, good people. And like I always say, I'm out.